Hey everyone, and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests, and we try to drag each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. Today is a sports episode, so... Sadly. You're in for a fun one because the MLB finally announced their awards as well, so we'll go over that later in the episode as quickly as possible because I know you find that the most painful part of the year. Even going through it as quickly as possible, it's still too long. Right, for your definition. Why do people get awards in every position? Why? And then you have like 30 positions because it's the MLB. We could go into all the gold glove winners, but I figured that was maybe a little much. Yes. In the world of the NHL, I know you found some news relating to COVID this past week. Yeah, this is just one of the teams that's really going through a bad COVID bout. Your team's been going through one for about two and a half weeks now. We'll call it what it is. It's just been rough. They claim that they finally have it under control in the Penguins organization. So we'll, I guess, see over the next couple days. But then we did just visit Ottawa, who is the team that's currently struggling hard with COVID. Actively, they have nine players on the COVID-19 list due to positive tests, which is insane. And then they already have two coaching staff members as well in that boat. The players are pretty big-name players for them, too. And the Sens somehow beat you guys, right? I'm already not in the best mood this morning, and you're just like, I want to make you angry. Yeah, we're, we're both sick, so that's like a good time, like with head colds, but still like, it's just like, Mar. not COVID list sick, thank God. Right. But on the list, it includes Nikita Zaitsev, Matt Murray, Alex Formentin, Connor Brown, Josh Brown, Nick Holden, Victor Mete, Dylan Gambrel, and Austin Watson. Are the Browns related? They're not. I, I had to look it up because I was like, well, that would be interesting if like the brothers were on the same team and they were both sick with COVID. Be like, that kind of makes sense, but it's not. It's just a common name. Yep. But the fact of the matter is that's a lot of people from your starting lineup to be out. Like none of these guys are AHL call-ups or anything like that. So it's just like. It's basically half your roster is sick with COVID. Right. That's what happens when you make out in the locker room. But there are other player health issues happening at the same time. There's definitely some player health going on because the season is in full stride now at this point for pretty much every team. So you had Patrick Laine being out. He's expected to be out a total of four to six weeks for the Columbus Blue Jackets due to an oblique strain. I always feel bad for like any core muscle strains that exist. Like it's just... It's going to take longer than it should have and it's going to hurt more than it should have. But Line was placed on IR on Friday, November 5th. His coach, Brad Larson, said, You look around the league, this is happening everywhere, whether it's sickness or injury. In 82 games, this is going to happen, whether it's sooner or later. But I think there's definitely more sickness than normal because COVID. COVID. Yeah. Anthony Mantha is out indefinitely for the Washington Capitals after his shoulder surgery on Friday, November 5th. He was injured in the second period of the game against the Florida Panthers on Thursday, November 4th. He was placed on IR the very next day. Wasn't he out when we went to D.C. as well? Like, I don't remember Mantha being on the ice. I thought he was already injured from something else. Some, like, the injuries I don't can... remember him being on the ice, but if we're being honest, I wasn't paying a ton of attention during the Caps game. Yeah. Because of the people the around Caps. us were kind of a hot mess. Yeah. Well, also, it's the Caps, yes. Yeah. Peter Mrazek is expected to be out four weeks after the goalie was placed on IR by the Toronto Maple Leafs on Sunday, November 7th with a groin injury. He initially sustained the injury in the game on October 14th against the Ottawa Senators. He ended up missing six games before returning against the Detroit Red Wings on October 30th. 
I guess they've realized he's not healthy enough to be back at this point. Well, it's good that they're, like, taking care of the player health situation and not just letting it be done. We also have very vague injury news out of Colorado. The Colorado Avalanche announced that Nathan McKinnon will be out three weeks with a lower body injury. Leave it to the NHL to always hold back a little bit of information when it comes to, like, important player injuries. I mean, it's been better lately, but still. It's true. But I think the biggest news coming out of player health for the NHL this week is that Jack Eichel has had his disc replacement surgery on Friday, November 12th. The timeline for his return is still unknown, according to his team, the Vegas Golden Knights. But Eichel said he's hoping to get into the gym in a week or two and to return to the ice six weeks after surgery. He's hoping to be back in three months after surgery. Well, a little over because no one's playing in February roughly, when he would want to be back. I was going to say the Winter Olympics should help him out a little bit there. The actual timeline is unclear. This is just his, like, goals moving forward. Right. It's it's amazing how quick they got him in for the surgery as soon as, like, he got there because, like, he arrived for the team, what, on, like, Tuesday or Wednesday of last week? And they're just like, boom, let's go. I'm pretty sure he had some sort of, like, consultation prior to flying out there and then... Like, part of the contract for the trade and all that stuff, too. I'm pretty sure the doctor knew he was going to have that surgery immediately, so... Yeah. But in other news in the NHL world, other than player health, since we've finished that category up... The Columbus Blue Jackets announced they will retire Rick Nash's number 61 jersey on March 5th. He'll be the first player in franchise history to have his number retired. Since he's part of that franchise, and that franchise is relatively young in the spectrum of NHL teams, it's not a shock to hear that that's the first player getting their number retired. Right. And I don't know if you saw the video for this next one, but it was pretty intense. Canucks defenseman Tucker Pullman has been suspended two games for swinging a stick into avalanche forward Kiefer Sherwood's head. In the post game, he was interviewed and he said he thought it was some expletive related words, Kadri, and not Pullman, or sorry, and not Kiefer Sherwood in this instance. Either way, it's like, dude, you meant to do the thing you did. You just meant it to do it to a different person? It doesn't, that doesn't help your case. Right. Like, I'm just shocked that he only got a two-game suspension. I think most of the hockey world was expecting at least 10 games or more. So, And this happened during the game on Thursday, November 11th. And under the current terms of the CBA and based on his average annual salary, he ended up forfeiting $25,000. That still seems like baby money in comparison to everything. Or something that he admittedly said he meant to do just to a different person. So it's like, is that any better? It's really not, but... It's like, just fathom had it been, like, an inch or two lower where the neck is exposed. Like, he could have paralyzed that person for the rest of their life. It's just kind of insane to think that making a decision like that only gets you two-game suspension. Even if it is, like, a first-time offense. Just, like, that's insane. If they were aiming for anything else, I feel like that would be a different story. And then Alexander Ovechkin passed Brett Hull on the all-time goals list this week, moving him into sole possession of fourth place on this list. He scored his 742nd goal against the Columbus Blue Jackets this past week. Good for him. I'm a Pins fan, so I can't care about that. Right. And you had mentioned the other night that you really want him to beat Wayne Gretzky's records because we're in a time of better goalies. Barnum. And better goaltending. Yeah. But here's the thing. I hate Ovechkin. So, like, I will never root for this or support this. Anyone wants to come in after him and do that, that's great. Do it. I'm so excited for you. Just not a cap. 
I feel like you're taking it maybe a little or a too, flyer. A little too personally. I'm just gonna go out on a limb. Or anyone not on my team. <laughs> the reality of it is, is it would be exciting to see somebody in our recent memory break that record. Just not a Vetchkin. Okay. We also had more players behaving badly. Tampa Bay Lightning defenseman Mikhail Sergachev was suspended for two games without pay for an illegal check to the head of Toronto Maple Leafs forward Mitchell Marner during the game in Toronto on Thursday, November 4th. Sergachev will end up forfeiting $48,000, which is definitely more money, but again, with two games. I was going to say he makes more money and it's he's not a regular offender, so I'm kind of shocked the dollar amount is as high as it is. But like, It's based on your annual salary. Yeah. Under the terms of the CBA. The current CBA? Yes. Oh, okay. We also had a fine that was given out to Calgary Flames forward Matthew Kachuk, who has high-sticked, is that the right word? Sure. For high-sticking, Dallas Stars defenseman John Klingberg during the game in Calgary on Thursday, November 4th. He's fined the usual $5,000. And then Philadelphia Flyers forward Derek Broussard has been... We expect this out of you guys. Jeez. I was so shocked that you just jumped in there all of a sudden. I figured I would take this one off your hands because I know you don't like to talk about the Flyers. When they're behaving badly and getting punished for it? No, go right ahead. Flyers forward Derek Broussard has been fined $2,000 for unsportsmanlike conduct during the game in D.C. on Saturday, November 6th. I don't know what actually happened because I didn't look this video up. but It's a flyer behaving badly. I just assume it's the worst. Always. And then we had a very fun one that I kind of broke out about because... uh, There's kind of a lot to this fining hierarchy for this one. So Carolina Hurricanes defenseman Tony D'Angelo has been fined $2,000 as supplementary discipline under NHL rule number 64, which is diving slash embellishment. NHL rule 64 is designed to bring attention to and more seriously penalize players and teams who repeatedly dive and embellish in an attempt to draw penalties. And fines are assessed to players and head coaches on a graduated scale. For the first citation, the player gets a warning, no head coach fine. Number two, player gets a $2,000 fine, which is what this one was, and no head coach fine. Three is a $3,000 fine, no head coach fine. Four, $4,000 and no head coach fine. Five is five with a $2,000 head coach fine. Six is $5,000 with a $3,000 head coach fine. Seven is $5,000 for the player, $4,000 for the coach. And eight is $5,000 for both. For head coaches, each fine issued to a player on his club counts towards his total number of citations. Citations are issued by the NHL Hockey Operations Department, which tracks all games, logs all penalties for diving or embellishment, and flags all plays not called on the ice that, in its opinion, were deserving of such a penalty, but it didn't happen in real time. D'Angelo was issued a warning following an incident flagged by NHL hockey operations during the game against the Arizona Coyotes on October 31st. His second citation, which triggered the fine, was issued for an incident during the game against the Florida Panthers on November 6th. Can't even go a full week without flopping. Tony D'Angelo has been an interesting guy lately. So, like, obviously he had all this screwball-y chaos that went on in New York where, like, they were trying to cut him and then wave him and then do all these other things and nothing seemed to get him away from the team. And he became an unrestricted free agent. They're like, cool, bye. And so, like, nobody really wanted to touch him or have him on the team. So now I'm starting to see maybe why. Right. Like, one of the reasons, possibly. Do I think a lot of players don't get caught, like, embellishing things? Absolutely. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. 
But it happening twice within the same seven-day period, it's like you're going to go down a bad path if you don't change what you're doing on the ice. Like, I'm a firm believer that embellishment penalties should exist in soccer more. Like, I wish. Oh, my God. The games would be so much shorter, too. Be a lot less. Well, they a lot of stoppage time. I was going to say the stoppage time is the only thing that really gets affected by that. Yeah. The game time always rolls. So. But I've seen games where stoppage time is like eight minutes because people have been flopping around going, my leg, and yeah. stupid crap like that. But Jeremy Calton was fired as the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks on Saturday, November 6th. Derek King was named his replacement in the interim. King was made coach of Rockford Icehogs when Calton was promoted from that role to the Blackhawks on November 6, 2018. I just think it's funny that it's a three-year difference, but the exact same day. Yeah, it was kind of eerie, to be completely honest. Uh, it's almost like Rocky Wirtz has a sense of humor and was just like... Totally did that on purpose, yeah. I think. At the time, though, Chicago was 1-9-2, which is Beautiful. a horrible record to start the season. Uh, worse than when Carlton took over for Coach Quimble. So it's like you replaced him with a guy that just didn't really do much either, which gave them the second fewest points in the NHL at the time. The Blackhawks also fired assistant coaches Thomas Mitell and Sheldon Brookbank. Assistant coach Mark Crawford and goaltending coach Jimmy Waite remain with the team. So I kinda, Only two people got to keep their job. That's kind of e. I kind of figured those two would keep their jobs just because, A, Jimmy Waite has made inroads with Lincoln in over the last two years. And, so they've seen him do good things. Right. So it's like, why would we get rid of that guy, you know, in that instance? Since Derek King has been the head coach, we're 2-0. So... I'm not saying he's doing stuff already, but, like, things seem to be turning around. But that might have nothing to do with him. Like, you need to see a trend to know whether he's actually doing things that are going to help your team in the long run. Well, we went and saw the first game that he was the head coach, which was against your Penguins. and No, that was the second. Was it really? That was his second. I was going to say, we just won the last game, so that would mean he's won three in a row. Do we have four wins now? I'm pretty sure you're three in a row. Uh, we have won three in a row. I apologize. I'm completely all over the place. This is your team. How do I know better than you? I don't remember it. I'm sorry. I also have a head cold. So cut me some slack, Jack. Um, I too have a head cold, just in case any of you were keeping score. Either way, like we were talking about earlier, the Penguins game that we went to, it looked like the team was playing pretty well up until the third period where you guys just seemed to have our number all of a sudden. I don't think that it was a matter of you guys are playing really well in the first two periods. I think it was a matter of my team was playing like crap for the first two periods, which is completely different, I think. But I do think that you were better than when we went and saw them in Pittsburgh. You definitely improved between like October 16th and November 9th, I think. Yeah, it definitely seemed like it was like a different level of energy that the team had that they didn't have in Pittsburgh at all. Like they in Pittsburgh were on their heels the entire night, whereas in Chicago at least they were playing like they wanted to be there and yeah. with a little bit of intensity as well. So But we had more of people behaving badly, and this is also old news that is just coming out now. We talked about it a little bit about Bob Murray and his issues with the Anaheim Ducks. He was placed on administrative leave by the team on Tuesday, November 9th, pending the results of an ongoing investigation into the executive vice president and GM's professional conduct. In the interim, VP of Hockey Operations and assistant GM Jeff Solomon will assume the role of interim GM. But then, the next day, 
Wednesday, November 10th, Bob Murray resigned as executive VP and GM of the Anaheim Ducks following an investigation into his conduct. They also said that Murray is set to enroll in a program for alcohol abuse. Ducks owners came out with an apology for, quote, anyone affected by the misconduct of Bob. We expect every member of our organization to be treated with respect and will not stand for abuse of any kind. I always wonder behind closed doors how many times they come up to him and be like, you're either going to resign or we're going to fire you. And like, it's like, well, I look like a bad guy right now. Let me just go resign. I personally like that after everything came out with the Blackhawks and the stuff that came out for the Penguins, people are now able to be like, this is what's happening or this is what has happened in the past. And the NHL is going to be on top of it because they have no other choice. The fans are angry. The sponsors are even more angry. And so, like, this is going to be a season that we see a lot of this sort of thing, in my opinion. Who knows? We're, like, a month into the season. But I think it's something that needs to happen. And hockey needs to no longer be a sport that allows this kind of abuse or any other. For that matter. And so... I think we got to get rid of all of our demons before we can move forward and be a sport that has a zero tolerance policy. And I think they're definitely well on their way. And I think as well, like having all these things going on is just making people more comfortable with bringing the subject to the light rather than keeping it tucked away in a closet or under the rug somewhere. So it does help that they've got that hotline that they can call for this as well because it makes them more comfortable and feel safer to come out and say what's been happening. But they had something like that that existed that Kyle Beach did use before. Right. Clearly, they're taking the hotline more seriously is what it seems like than anything, let's be honest. It's just like it's existed for a while. It's just not being utilized properly by the NHL. And now it is, which yeah. is good. Braden Coburn most recently of the Tampa Bay Lightning, retired from the NHL on Friday, November 12th, after 16 NHL seasons. The 36-year-old defenseman last played in the 2021 season, which he won the Stanley Cup with Tampa Bay. So going out on top, kind of, to an extent. I feel like if you were going out on top, you would have been like, I've won, that's great, I'm going to have my day with the Cup, and then I'm going to announce my retirement. Yeah. Versus a month into the next season and not playing anywhere and... Being like, yeah, you know what, I can't. I'm always shocked to see how long some defensemen stay in the game, though. Because it's like, I feel like after like five years of having rubber shot at you at 100 miles an hour, that you probably just don't want that anymore. Like, Apparently they do. Even after like one season, I feel like I would be tapped out. Forget that. Let's be honest. It'd be like two shots. I'd be like, I'm out. Well, you're also not an NHL player, so... Right. And that's I, probably part of the difference. And I didn't grow up playing the game quite as long as these guys did probably either. So that, that probably gets you used to that kind of assault uh, right. from rubber pucks all over the place. I don't know. Would I rather be hit with a puck or a baseball from a pitcher, obviously? I feel like I would want to be hit with a puck. I don't know that that's true. Like, because, well, but I feel like I get more padding if I played hockey versus if I was a baseball player. Well, without a doubt, because the only padding you wear as a baseball player at the plate is your helmet usually unless you're prone to getting hit in which case then maybe you have like an elbow guard or like a wrist guard or something so i think because of the safety measures in place i would want to be hit with a puck versus a baseball because they're traveling at roughly the same speed they're i think roughly the same size i don't know i don't play baseball I've, i've been hit with an 85 mile an hour pitch and i can tell you it 
it hurt, but I feel like a puck at 85 would, because it's dense. Like It is dense, that's true. That would be my main concern. I feel like that would hurt more. But is the padding enough to protect you enough to offset the difference? Well, you have a baseball behind you up there on the shelf versus a puck. I don't know, like... They're, they're roughly the same circumference, like, circumference, but like the thickness, I feel like of a puck, like if you cut open a puck versus a baseball, it's almost all yarn inside of a baseball with a rubber ball in the middle. So like there's compression, you know, it doesn't like it, it smushes a little, uh, a puck I don't think would do that. It's just rubber. It doesn't help that a puck is frozen. Right. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe I just really hate baseball and I'd rather be anywhere but at a baseball game. I guess. But moving into the NFL, because they're still playing for some reason. It's like a little over halfway through the season, so that's why they're still playing. It feels so long. It's the worst. This week, the Packers were fined $300,000 for the whole Aaron Rodgers ordeal. He and Alan Lazard were fined $14,650 each for violating COVID protocols. The team was notified that future violations could be subject to more severe discipline, such as lowered or lost draft picks. Oh, no. I just feel draft like the $14,000 is like a joke because Aaron Rodgers is one of the highest paid players in the NFL, not just at his position. So it's just like, I don't, like that's nothing to him to, like he's not even feeling the punishment. I feel like if it was anyone else almost, he would have been fined so much sooner, but so much more. And the organization would have never let him do what he was doing. Right. But I just think because of who he is, everyone's like, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, it's kind of where I was going to go with that one. It just seems like it's because he's like one of those untouchable players that somehow he can avoid dealing with any type of repercussions for his actions. And if he does get repercussions, they're just so minimal. It's not even like going to affect him really. We also had Minnesota Vikings offensive lineman Dakota Dozier has been hospitalized due to COVID complications. He was admitted to the emergency room on Tuesday, November 9th. The Vikings coach Mike Zimmer said one of our players that was vaccinated had to go to the ER last night because of COVID. It's serious stuff. Yeah. And then you have, you know, Packers quarterback going on all sorts of podcasts saying like, it's not a big deal. I really didn't get that sick. And it's like, come on, dude. Just because you don't get that sick doesn't mean other people don't. Like, I hate, like, this anecdotal evidence that, like, oh, well, myself and the five people I know who got it totally were fine in 10 days. Good for you. That doesn't mean everyone else can survive it. I was going to say, I literally know multiple people that are now inhaler bound for any physical activities due to the fact that they got sick with COVID. So it's just like, you're one of the two, yes. Yep. But. The reality is, like, even on his side of the family, the other person, like, he had family members die from it. So it's like, guys, it's not like a walk in the park. Yeah. And if you get it and it's a walk in the park, congratulations, you're lucky. Well, and I know people who have been vaccinated who have gotten COVID after the fact. And it's like, they weren't as sick as me, but they were still sick. Right. Like, I don't understand the whole logic of people like Aaron Rodgers. I completely understand and agree with you. For other player health with the NFL, Marcus May will be out for the remainder of the 2021 season after tearing his Achilles heel in the Jets' loss to the Colts. I feel like the Achilles injuries are just going up like every single up. year. And it's like, I, I kind of get why, because it's like 
your legs are your support system in the game of football, but it's just like you don't hear about them happening nearly as much in the NHL or anything like that. So it's just kind of weird. Yeah. I blame the turf that they play on. Agreed. It's probably what it is. Like they've been doing investigations for years to figure that out, but they're so focused on trying to stop concussions with like special helmets and things, which right. I think is important too. But it's like these guys are having three, four Achilles surgeries in like five or six years. It's just like that's got to wear on the body. And then Panthers quarterback Sam Darnold is likely to miss several weeks, four to six roughly, due to the shoulder injury that, that happened during the game this past week. He was placed on IR after being diagnosed with a cracked scapula and incomplete fracture. Yeah, so it sounds like it's going to take a little less time here, or possibly could take a little less time for him to heal because it's not a complete fracture. So hopefully that means that it'll be easier. Right. What's really crazy about this is obviously earlier this year, Cam Newton was cut by the Patriots. and They went with Mac Jones, the rookie out of Alabama. And Cam Newton was traded to the Patriots. The Panthers retained a portion of his contract. So the Panthers were still paying for his contract. They also were paying for his replacements contract, Teddy Bridgewater. Actively, they're paying for the replacement replacements contract, Sam Darnold. And as of this past week, they re-signed Cam Newton, and so now they're paying Cam Newton a second contract. That's really weird. Yeah, they're spending a lot of money to just have Cam Newton again. Like, it's just kind of crazy. Well, on that position as a whole, sounds like a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money for just quarterbacks. We'll talk about the contract later, but just my tidbit of crazy going on there. And the Cowboys defensive end, Randy Gregory, was placed on IR after injuring his calf in practice on Wednesday, November 10th. Well, you found some big contract extensions. I found them as well, but you beat me to the notes and you found some more details than I was able to find. So uh, it looks like the Cleveland Browns were pretty darn busy this week. Also giving away a lot of money this past week. Yeah. The Cleveland Browns guard Wyatt Teller has signed a four-year, $56.8 million contract extension through the 25 season, 24-25, I believe, with $29 million in guaranteed money, which is more than half if you can do math. If you can, it's still more than half. Yeah. But, (laughs) and they also signed guard Joel Betonio. Correct. To a three-year, $48 million extension through the 24-25 season. They're just solidifying their offensive line around Baker Mayfield so they have somebody to protect them, basically, because they're offensive linemen. They're guarding them. Well, my thing is I'm just thinking about the fact that aren't quarterbacks known as being, like, big sissies because they really don't want to get hit because they're smaller? They're smaller. They also wear less pads. So, like... Like, I remember I was watching the OU-Baylor game yesterday as of when we're recording this, and I remember seeing my quarterback just, like, tuck and roll versus getting hit at one point. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why is this happening? It's because they wear the least amount of protective pads so that they have throwing motion in their shoulder. But that also puts them prone to shoulder injuries because they have less stuff protecting that arm. So it's just kind of what it is in that instance. I'm going to stick with what I said before and say they're sissies. Okay. And Cam Newton has signed a one-year $10 million deal with the Panthers the deal includes $4.5 million in fully guaranteed money and a $1.5 million roster bonus. Does that just mean you're on the roster? Here's $1.5 million? As long as you stay on it, I think, is the, the catch. 
So do you have to stay on it the whole time to get the 1.5? I don't know. I would have to know the individual stipulations. of. Like, or is it breakdown. like every week you're on the roster, you get a portion of the 1.5? Probably the case. I would hope it's that versus the other one. It's just irony that they're still paying about $5 million on top of that for his previous contract that they still owe him. So it's just like, it, it's a weird, weird, weird situation for Cam Newton to be in and the Panthers for that matter. And Odell Beckham Jr. has signed a one-year deal with the LA Rams. He cleared waivers on Tuesday, November 9th, which allowed him to become a free agent. Also cut by the Cleveland Browns. So it's probably why they signed those bigger contracts. They freed up some cap space, about $16 million worth. So Would that be roughly what the Rams are paying him? Because I couldn't find the money. I have no idea how much they're paying him. I couldn't find it either. I'm going to make a wild guess and say $16 million. Probably. And because we can't go for one sport without discussing people behaving badly, this week saw Vikings running back Dalvin Cook accused of assault through a lawsuit filed by his former girlfriend, Gracelyn Trimble. The lawsuit alleges that Cook assaulted, battered, and falsely imprisoned Trimble. Cook's attorney, David Valenti, responded to the lawsuit's filing with a statement on Tuesday, November 9th, in which he states that Trimble broke into Cook's home last November and assaulted Cook and two house guests. The police were never called for the incident and no charges have been filed. The Vikings organization reported the lawsuit to the NFL, who said they will review the matter under the personal conduct policy and will continue to monitor developments. The incident itself seems to have taken place when Trimble went to Cook's house to pack up her belongings following yet another breakup in their relationship. He claims to have been the victim while she's the one with photos from that night of her bloodied face. So I think we know where I stand based on how I summed up the whole thing. But uh, yeah, that's going on. Joy, good yeah. old NFL things. What really bothers me about this is that she's filing the lawsuit against him. and He's like, no, I'm the victim. Right. If that's the case, where's your lawsuit? Where's your police report? Where's your anything? Yeah, like if she broke into your house like you claimed, you should have called the police. Right, right. Like they they could have at least come and maybe monitored the situation while she packed her stuff. Yeah. And he's claiming she took pepper spray to his face while, you know, she ran amok apparently at his house, according to him. At the same time, like, I understand even as a rich athlete, as an African-American male, calling the police probably isn't the top of your to-do list, but still, it's at, like... At the same time, you could wait till the situation dissolved. Right, and then and file then it. file the police report or file a lawsuit. Right. You didn't even need to technically involve the police if you just went for a lawsuit after the fact. Correct. So... There's ways for him to have handled it properly, and he didn't if do it. it If it happened truly the way he says it happened, I think we would have heard about it by now. But that's just speculation on my part. Yeah. So with more people behaving badly, John Gruden, who resigned as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders on October 11th, filed a lawsuit against the NFL and Commissioner Roger Goodell on Thursday, November 11th in Clark County. The lawsuit alleges that the accused parties sought to ruin Gruden's career by releasing his private emails in which Gruden used racist, homophobic, and misogynistic terms. Gruden is seeking, quote, the recovery of money in excess of $15,000 in each of the seven causes of action. If he were to get that money, it would come to a total of roughly $105,000. 
Gruden stepped down from his position as Raiders head coach following the release of his emails ranging from 2010 to 2018. The NFL said in a statement this week that the allegations are entirely meritless and the NFL will vigorously defend against these claims. The Raiders just seem to not be able to win one. They had three first-round picks as well this year. Every single one of them has been cut from the team. The most recent one was their third pick in the draft. He also was brought up on assault charges while brandishing a firearm. So, uh, yeah, it's just a wild rodeo at the Raiders right now of not good things going on. My whole thing is he's claiming this because he's saying that they specifically pulled out all the racist and homophobic and all this other stuff from his emails. Well, they're not going to show the good stuff. And left all the other ones in there. And I'm like, here's the thing. Those are the ones that are the problem. You can't be fired for being racist if you're not racist. Right. So, like, it's not on them to make sure you can keep your job while being racist. Yeah. So, I feel like this is going to get laughed out of court. We'll see. It's Vegas. You never really know. Hmm. True. But moving on to the MLB where there's awards and nicer things going on, roughly, it seems like. Is there? I don't really see anything too negative on here. It's just going to go on forever. Yeah, but it's like, it's awards night, you know? It's it's a lot better than like... I wish I had known that. I would have dressed up. Assault charges and like all sorts of those types of things. So, you know, you had something for the player health world. So start there. The Houston Astros outfielder Jake Myers underwent surgery to repair a labral tear in his left shoulder on Wednesday, November 10th. He isn't expected to return to play before opening day 2022. So if I understand correctly, he's not going to be at spring training. Yeah, that would be correct more than likely. Originally, he tried physical therapy in the hopes of returning to action during the playoffs, but ultimately didn't play again in the postseason. And then we had a couple signings. We had San Francisco Giants. They re-signed their manager, Gabe Kapler, to a two-year extension. This has him signed as the manager through the end of the 2024 season. He still had two more years on his contract. So it's just like... So it's four. Four, realistically. And on Wednesday, November 10th, the Dodgers and left-hander Andrew Heaney officially agreed to a one-year deal. The contract will be worth $8.5 million. And no, I don't know if that's a lot of money for a pitcher in baseball. It's not bad money. It's not great money, but like... If it's something million dollars as part of your deal, it's never going to be bad money. There's no such thing as a bad million dollars. But I mean, like, in comparison to other pitchers, it's not like <laughs> yeah. crazy good money. And then we're on to the awards. So we had the Hank Aaron Award, which is for the best offensive player of the season. There's only two of them given out, one to National League player and one to an American League player. In the National League, we had Bryce Harper of the Phillies. In the American League, we had Vlad Guerrero Jr. of the Blue Jays. We also had the Reliever of the Year Award given. There's two different names for it based on the leagues. Uh, in the American League, it's called the Mariano Rivera Award, and that was given to Liam Hendricks of the Chicago White Sox. Good for you. Yeah. And the National League, they had the Trevor Hoffman Award, and that was given to Josh Hader of the Brewers. The winners of the Rawlings Platinum Glove Award, which is given to the best defensive player in each league, and the Golden Glove Team Award, which honors the best defensive team in each league, were announced on Friday, November 12th. For the Platinum Glove, it was given to Carlos Correa from the Houston Astros in the American League, and Nolan Arenado from the St. Louis Cardinals in the National League. 
Apparently, this is the fifth time this guy has won this award, so I don't know. Does he get to, like, put them all together to make a super award? A super platinum glove? Yes. It's not only the fifth time, but it's the fifth time in a row. Oh, no. nobody has ever taken the title from him. I feel like the National League needs to step up their game. He's a phenomenal player. Like, arguably, there's a reason he wins it every year, so, like, I'm not shocked that it's his fifth straight, to be completely honest. And for the Golden Glove Team Award, the Houston Astros won it in the American League. I don't think anyone's surprised with that one. But the St. Louis Cardinals won in the National League, which I feel like I should be surprised by. But, like, are the Braves not in the National League? They are in the National League. Then why didn't they win that? Didn't they win the whole enchilada? Did you see who won the Platinum Glove Award and what team he played for? Well, no, I saw that too. But you said he won it five times in a row, so, like... Maybe he's just a standout player. Like the Cardinals as a whole had good defense and not a lot of offense this year, so I'm not honestly too shocked. The Braves, on the other hand, were more an offensive powerhouse team. They weren't really based around just defense, so kind of makes some sense. But don't I just worry. think it's hard to win the whole thing if you don't have a good defensive side to your play. It's important. There's no doubt about it. But don't fret. The Braves will be very well mentioned in the Silver Slugger Awards here. So the Silver Slugger Awards are given for the best batter in every position on the field. So for the American League, the catcher's position was given to Salvador Perez of the Royals. For first base, Vlad Guerrero Jr. for the Blue Jays. For second base, Marcus Semyon for the Blue Jays. For shortstop, we have Xander Bogarts for the Red Sox. And for third base, Rafael Devers for the Red Sox. For Outfielders, you have Teoscar Hernandez for the Blue Jays, Aaron Judge for the Yankees, and Cedric Mullins for the Orioles, because obviously there's three positions in the outfield, left, center, and right field. And then you have the designated hitter, Shohei Otani of the Angels, which we shouldn't be shocked that he's there either. So we didn't have anyone from the Astros win, but they're in the American League, right? Right. Okay. So maybe that's why they didn't win the whole enchilada. It's probably why they didn't win the enchilada. Yeah. Yeah. In the National League, we had catcher Buster Posey. This is the fifth time he's won the award, and it puts him as the most winningest catcher in the history of the MLB for the Silver Slugger. And he comes from the Giants. And he retired this year. We talked about it last week. Yeah. Also, we had from first base, we had the Freddie Freeman from the Braves. Second base, we had Ozzy Albez from the Braves. Third base, we had Austin Riley from the Braves, we had at shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr. from the Padres. And in the outfield, we had Nick Castellanos for the Reds, Bryce Harper for the Phillies, and Juan Soto for the Nationals. And since the National League bats pitchers, the pitcher that won the award was Max Fried from the Braves. And because you have pitchers who bat in this league, they didn't have a designated hitter. Correct. They just slid in pitcher for that instead. Correct. I'm not as dumb as you make me out to be. Well, you'll love to hear that the CBA actively that they're trying to push through would have a guaranteed designated hitter in the American League and National League. Does that mean they wouldn't pitch, the pitchers wouldn't hit anymore? Correct. Okay. Be weird if the pitchers didn't pitch anymore. Be very strange. Two-time All-Star closer Joaquin Soria retired this past week. He spent half of his 14-year career with the Royals. Before retiring, he was fifth among active major leaguers in saves and fourth in games finished with 427. It's pretty impressive. I mean, he's fourth, so I assume that's impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I know nothing about baseball. 
The Phillies hired Anirud Kalambi as an assistant GM in charge of research and development this past week. I don't know what any of that means. Nor do I. It's a position I've never heard of before, but I'm sure it exists in every organization. It's just... Do you think he's finding new baseball bats and stuff like that, or is it a different R&D? I have no idea. And then we move into the NBA. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be for the NBA, but we do have a few injuries. First is Jimmy Butler left the game against the Lakers on Wednesday, November 10th due to a right ankle sprain. Celtics forward Jalen Brown is set to miss one to two weeks with a hamstring strain. And Cleveland Cavaliers starting guard Colin Sexton is out indefinitely with a torn meniscus. His recovery time will be determined by the severity of the tear, so I assume he'll know more coming out of the surgery they do to repair it. Uh, I would imagine they're looking at like imaging and all that stuff that will come post-surgery to give a timeline rather than just going like, here's a random number and hopefully that's when we get him back. And then we had players behaving badly because why not? It's the NBA. Sacramento Kings forward center Rashawn Holmes has been fined $15,000 for throwing his headband into the spectator stands. Because I really want your sweat-stoked cloth. I feel like it has something to do with, like, COVID-related health issues. Like, why would you do that? It's kind of like blowing out candles right now when you know you're, like, a spitter when you blow out candles. It's like, just don't share the germs. Or just blowing out candles in general. Like, why did we ever do that in the past? That's so dumb. Yeah. This week, Doc Rivers became the 10th coach in NBA history to reach 1,000 wins. He has 1,000 wins and 706 losses over 23 seasons with Orlando Magic, Boston Celtics, LA Clippers, and the Sixers. He's been around for a little while, to say the least. Yeah, for at least 1,706 games. Right. And for a while, he was the head coach of the Magic, and it was just depressing. So, like, it's probably where a lot of his 700 losses came from. Oh, okay. I didn't know if it was depressing because your team lost a lot or depressing for him in particular. Maybe a little bit of both. The Portland Trailblazers organization was recently notified of concerns around the workplace environment by non-player personnel at the practice facility. In response, the team immediately engaged O'Melveny and Myers, which is an outside firm with expertise in the area to conduct a full, fair, and independent review into these concerns. It's happening everywhere. I will say the good news is it seems like it, Everything's coming to the limelight, so like people can't hide from it anymore. Which, as much as it's like it's everywhere right now and it's super depressing, it's also positive because well, because it's getting handled right. Like if it was coming to light and then everyone's like, "That's just how it is," that would be way worse. Oh yeah, absolutely. Also, this past week, the Trailblazers president Chris McGowan has resigned after nine years in his position. I'm assuming because of all of this. He released a statement that he wanted to be around his teenage boys more as they grew up. That was part of the reason that he stepped down. It's sure. just Yeah, but the timing is fishy. pretty fishy. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling we'll find out that there were emails linking him to part of this process. Probably. The chief commercial officer and executive VP, Dwayne Hankins, will take over as the team's new president of business operations. So hopefully he doesn't behave badly as well and have to resign. This next one we're going to talk about, I like, I understand and I don't. Like, it's a joking gesture. Mm. Well, did you see it? No. Okay. 
What we're talking about is that Toronto Raptors guard Fred Van Vliet has been fined $15,000 for making an obscene gesture during the game on November 11th at Wells Fargo Center. Yeah, the gesture's been banned in the NBA since 2010 and 2011 season after it was performed by the 76ers assistant coach Sam Cassell. If you don't know what it is, we're not going to give you the exact details, but there's video of it. It's not I hard to I just assumed find. he flipped the bird. No. Oh. No, it was more of a reference to like... What Ross Geller does during Friends? No. Oh. No. I feel like it now I have to the find the video. It, it was more of a motion of like down here, like almost like rocking the cradle, but holding what would be male genitalia, I guess is the best description of it. Like I've never seen someone do this in my entire life. Am I just really protected or... I guess, I guess so. It, it's definitely more of like, I've got the bigger, you know, and we'll just leave it at that. Like, I, I don't He's know. He's calling the other guy a eunuch? I don't know. I don't know. Either way, it's been banned. He knew it was banned. That's why he got in trouble. It, it's just like, it was just a form of, I, we'll call it what it is, taunting, trash right, talk. Right. Like, and, and it was just- Obscene un- trash talk, basically. Re- correct. Mm-hmm. And, like, I thought it was funny at first because, like, I haven't seen it since Cassell did it in 2010. So it just threw me off a little bit. The funny thing is the way you were just showing it to me, like, all I could think is, like, a monkey. Now, I wasn't thinking of obscene things. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and and so, like, there you go. So maybe some people thought it was just a monkey, but it definitely was, like. I mean, if the other person is a person of color, that's especially bad, though. So. Yeah, well, it, it wasn't that, though. So. Yeah. I mean, it's banned. He knows it's banned. There's a fine. Do better. And then we had more fines that were given out. A lot of money got taken away from players this past week. Utah Jazz Center, Rudy Gobert, forward Joe Ingles, and guard Donovan Mitchell, as well as Indiana Pacers center Miles Turner, have each been fined for their roles in an on-court altercation. Gobert, who pulled Turner to the floor and initiated an on-court altercation has been fined the most amount of money obviously $35,000 Turner has been fined $25,000 for escalating the altercation by shoving Gobert Ingles has been fined $30,000 for making inappropriate contact with a game official during an on-court altercation and Mitchell has been fined $20,000 for escalating an on-court altercation by verbally taunting an opponent And that's the one I'm like, that's a lot of money for just taunting someone in the middle of this thing. Like, it didn't sound like he did anything physical during the fight. But the incident occurred in the fourth quarter of the game between the Pacers and the Jazz on November 11th at Vivint Arena. Gobert, in his post-game interview, didn't really seem like he was feeling bad about what happened at all. Like His wallet was. Yeah, not really. He's one of the highest paid players in his position. So, again, that's like a drop in the hat. But the reality of it is is he came out and basically stated, I'm sick of all these guys pretending like they're thugs off the street. Like, he was just, he went on a tangent, including that going like, we all know as soon as we start a fight on the court, there's going to be like 20 security guards between us in just a moment. You're not the tough guy. And I was like, dude, you're just egging him on to fight you the next time he sees you. Like, On top of that, like, technically you initiated it, and you know that yeah. there are going to be a bunch of guards, so maybe you're not the tough guy? Right. It's just, it's weird. 
And forever Rudy Gobert will be stuck in my heart as the guy that shut down sports during COVID. So, like, he was the dude that coughed all over the mic and joked about having COVID. And then the next day tested positive for COVID-19. The first person in to do the interview, so everybody else was in COVID protocol the next day. I'm assuming that he didn't feel well and he was grumpy and mad about the situation. He's like, yeah, I have COVID. And then he did have COVID. Yeah. Because there's no way he wasn't already having symptoms. Right. And it's just... Further just makes me not like this guy. <laughs> like, like, come on, man. Like, you're you're gonna be trashy in your post game interview and an instant that you instigated, and then you've done all these things in the past. It's like, bro, you're not like you shouldn't be in the limelight for anybody ever. But moving into soccer, specifically the MLS, we are currently up on playoff time. The top seven teams from each conference will qualify for the MLS Cup playoffs. The number one seeds in both the Eastern and Western Conferences, which are the New England Revolution and the Colorado Rapids, will receive a bye for round one and move directly into the conference semifinals. The remaining 12 teams, seeds two through seven in each conference, will face off in a single elimination round one. And they do have everything scheduled out from round one all the way to the cup final. In round one, which starts on November 20th, we see the East, Philadelphia Union, and New York Red Bulls play each other, and the West, Sporting Kansas City against the Vancouver Whitecaps. On the 21st in the East, New York City FC and Atlanta United FC are going to face each other. In the West, the Portland Timbers and the Minnesota United FC will play against each other. And on the 23rd in the East, Nashville SC will play Orlando City SC. And in the West, the Seattle Sounders FC will play against Real Salt Lake. Good old Real Salt Lake. Be good, I mean, could you really call it Real if it's f- Salt Lake? I have to bleep that. <laughs> <laughs> to answer your yes, that is technically the name of the team. It's like Real Madrid, but it's Real Salt Lake. But yeah. I'm not calling them that, but all right. We know your opinions now with your profanity spewing mouth right there on the mic. (laughs) And the dates for the rest of the playoffs with the teams to be determined have been announced. For the conference semifinals, the dates are November 25th, 28th, and 30th. For the conference finals, December 4th and 5th. And the MLS Cup, or the finals, is December 11th. I'm excited. Like, I like to watch the playoffs for the MLS because I feel like that's when it's actually entertaining. Right. So what I realized is that someone's playing on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I didn't realize that before. I'm not going to watch it, but there's multiple types of football you can watch if you're an American and it's Thanksgiving. Why not? Also this week, MLS all-time scorer and ex-U.S. men's national team striker Chris Wondolowski retired. That is quite a last name. I thought you were going to say Mike Wazowski. <laughs> no. I'll be honest. After 17 seasons in the MLS, including 14 seasons with the San Jose Earthquakes, he retired following the win against Dallas on Sunday, November 7th. You don't quite make it out on top because your team's not in the playoffs, but hey. You got to win against one of the worst teams in the MLS. I mean, think about how much worse it would have been if he had lost. The irony is Dallas FC has won, or I should say FC Dallas, has one of the top strikers in the MLS right now and for the U.S. national team, but they don't score goals. I just don't understand how that works. They just can't feed it to them, I guess. I don't grasp how that happens. I don't either. And 
Austin FC defender Matt Besler announced his retirement on Wednesday, November 10th, after 13 MLS seasons. His first 12 seasons were spent with Sporting Kansas City, but then he obviously went to Austin for that last season. He appeared in 314 career matches from 2009 to 2021. He made 20 starts during Austin's inaugural MLS campaign in the 2021 season. Another guy that's been playing a lot of years. Mm -hmm. Just a lot of years. We'll move over to the Premier League where we talk about real soccer. Newcastle United announced they have hired Eddie Howe as the next head coach for the organization after forcing Steve Bruce out. Howe was most recently the head coach of Bournemouth. He coached that team from the fourth tier of English soccer into the Premier League. So, so like, you're trying to stay up with this guy. Well, he's a great coach, clearly. Like You don't take a team from fourth league of the English soccer world all the way up to the Premier League every day. You don't see that. I'm excited to see what he does. He seems like he's much more hands-on coach than Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce was very much, I'm delegating the information. I want you to coach the players. He was never really... They're coaching the players. On the pitch or whatever. Right. Hmm. Whereas Howe is out there, like, legit taking part in the practices. So, like, he's teaching them what he wants them to do in certain situations, which, I'll be honest, as a player, I feel like sticks more to you than just going like, oh, this assistant coach is telling me what to do. So, hopefully the players are willing to play hard for him. He has his first game uh, next week, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, but the Premier League also announced this week, since it is World Cup qualifier time right now, we're kind of away from the leagues as a whole, that they will only be stopping play one week before the start of the World Cup in Qatar. The World Cup will start on November 21st. So basically they've stopped play now. Well, it's not this year. It's next year that the World Cup is going oh, on. Okay. So it's next season that you, they will be stopping one week beforehand. You did not specify. I did not. You're right. Next year, basically. They will be stopping only one week in advance, whereas all the other leagues are doing two to three weeks. So that's interesting. Premier League's like, we're not going to let you hinder our league that much. They also announced that eight days after the World Cup final, they will be starting their league back up as well. So they've got them pretty under the gun when it comes to how quickly they expect them to be back as well. Speaking about World Cup qualifiers... Germany defeated Liechtenstein 9-0, giving Hansi Flick his record-breaking sixth straight win in six appearances as a new head coach of Die Mannschaft. Pretty, pretty impressive. It would have been bad if you didn't just annihilate this team, though. Yeah, you were joking it should have been like 12-0 or something like that yesterday, and the reality is it's like it was going to be a very easy game. Actively, Germany's playing Armenia uh, to try to take one of the top seeds for the qualifier. The reality is it should pretty much be wrapped up. I think they were up like 4-1 to one the last I checked, so it should put us as number one in the group and get us a high seed for the qualifier. Hopefully. Yep. But this is our final sports episode before we go to have Thanksgiving with my family, so we will not be here the week of Thanksgiving. That is correct. It'll be a little bit of a pause between sports episodes, so... But I don't feel like too much is going to happen. I say that and then all the news breaks. Right. That's the reality of things. Yeah, usually. Usually so. So we'll probably see you in about two weeks for a very long sports episode. In the meantime, make sure you're staying in contact with us on all of our social media. We will have all the links in the description. And we'll catch you next time, guys. Bye. Bye. The Chaos Panther is on the patrol. Pardon our cat break here. Lexi, no.